Uh, many of you might already know this, but I used to pastor, um, and my wife and family and I, we used to live in the D.C. metro area. We were there for about 10 years prior to coming here and becoming your pastor at Brandywine Valley Church. Uh, there's not a whole lot I miss about the D.C. metro area. Any of you D.C. metro area people ever live uh, in D.C. metro area? So you might know what I mean by this. It's a lot of traffic, a uh, very expensive place to miss. I certainly don't miss the politics of the area, but the one thing I miss one thing that we miss most is uh, the vineyards in Loudoun County. Uh, if you are, have ever traveled through the Loudoun County vineyards, you know how beautiful they are, the rolling hills in the, uh, in the Blue Ridge Valley. It's a beautiful getaway just um, northwest of the city in the hustle and bustle, in the, in the, the traffic, in the crowded area. Uh, Shannon and I would often, with our kids, get away to these uh, vineyards. We would go, here's, here are these young, young people with our kids. That's Nathan, by the way. He's filled out a little bit since then, <laughs> since he was a baby. We used to love going and doing picnics and walking around, wandering the vineyards. Uh, I'm also fascinated by the winemaking process. Any of you know what the winemaking process is called? It's called viniculture. Okay, so that's your word of the day. But viniculture, fascinating process. And as I've, I've learned over the years and, and talking to, to people that do this for a living, the, at the center of viniculture is the relationship between the trellis and the vine. The trellis acts as the support system for the vine growth. And if your trellis isn't working properly, if it's not nurturing the plants, if it's not spaced properly, if it's not lifting them up to get the sunlight that it needs, if it's not protecting them from the, the, the bugs and the things that can get to them at their base, if it's not strong enough, you're not gonna have a good winemaking season. In fact, you could have really productive fruit, but if your trellis isn't strong enough, it could collapse under its own weight. So the relationship between the trellis and the vine is really critical in winemaking, in fruit production. And I can see why, and thinking about that imagery, why the Bible is replete with imagery of winemaking, of vineyard, of the vine. You see this all throughout the scriptures. In the Old Testament, you see often that God would call uh, his people, Israel, as the vine or the vineyard. And he tied the spiritual health of uh, the vine with, excuse me, the spiritual health of his people to the health of a vineyard. A healthy vineyard was the image of a healthy spiritual Israel and vice versa. Uh, a, a vineyard that was overgrown, that was infested, that, that was uh, trampled on was an unhealthy, spoke to the unhealthy state of the Old Testament people of God. As we get into the New Testament, Jesus himself used this in a famous passage of scripture John 15, you might recall when Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine. He was saying, I'm the fulfillment of Israel. I am the embodiment of, of, of God and his work and through his people. I've come as the Messiah, the true vine of Israel. And he says, God, the father is the vine dresser. And we as the church, as God's people, are the branches. And the relationship between the vine and the branches is, branches is one of vitality, spiritual, of unity. This is how we get our sustenance. So both Old and New Testament, this vine trellis imagery is really speaks to, it's one of the clearest metaphors for uh, spiritual growth, fruitfulness, uh, and production 
in the Bible. And our, re- our ministry leadership team recently has been thinking about and reading through a book that's kind of using this as an image for how we structure our church, how we lead our church. We've been praying through and thinking through how are we doing as a church in producing fruit? How is our vine here growing? What areas of ministry are, is God calling us to in the, for new growth into the future? And how is the trellis supporting that work of the vine? This is, these are the conversations we've been having as a church. And God has been doing some awesome vine work among us. And if you are part of this church, if you've been watching this, you see it. It's really evident of the vine work that God is doing. The, the, uh, the new people walking into our door every week. People that are coming from unchurched or de-churched backgrounds that are experiencing and hearing the gospel. Some of them learning to read their Bibles for the first time. We see people coming out of addiction and into restoration in Jesus through ministries like Broken Beginnings here happening among us. We see people who really never sensed, uh, felt or sensed a feeling of belonging for the first time are experiencing that and getting connected in meaningful relationships here in the church. We're seeing new children uh, uh, coming to Christ and being baptized as well as uh, adults. We see it in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, on and on, our outreaches in the community. We see vine growth and production happening all around us. Praise God, it's awesome to see. And that is really the mission. If you think about it, vine growth is the mission of our church. To introduce people to Jesus Christ and help them follow him, it's all about vine work. It's Jesus's goal, and so it is our goal as a church to produce more and more fruit, to never be satisfied of saying, okay, well, that's enough fruit growth. We're fine as we are. No, to strive for more and more as the Great Commission calls us to. And that's why as a church, our ministry leadership team, it's why as our volunteer serving teams are all committed to the health of the vine so that we can bear more and more fruit. But while the focus of the vine, of, of the church and the uh, ministry in the church should be vine growth, we also have to make sure that we are tending to the trellis because the trellis is important. Even though it's in the, in the background, it doesn't get a whole lot of the press, the trellis is vital because it supports vine growth. It's often the behind the scenes that where a lot of that strength is happening in the trellis. But a strong trellis is critical to the mission of the church. It's critical to vine growth. Without a strong trellis supporting and propping up ministry and aligning with the ministry, the fruit production here spiritually is gonna go down. We might have great fruit producing in a ministry, but if we don't have the right kind of trellis supporting that, it could collapse under its own weight. And so it's really critical. And we don't get a chance to talk about all of our great trellis workers uh, very often. Our staff and, and our volunteers are often working behind the scenes. But I get to today just name some of them by name and their ministry so that we get to recognize that great work that they do. People like Len Armstrong, who's our business manager. People like Seth Stein and Andrew Wallace, who work as our facility manager and his right-hand man. People like uh, Christian Della Cuba, who's our technical director, and Dave Hutton, who's his right-hand man, along with our entire media team. We think about uh, our, uh, our 
our manager of communications, Christy Lapp, who works tirelessly in all of our communication work that we do here. We think about all of our paid and unpaid uh, volunteer administration team and nursery team and child care workers and on and on committees. All of these people are working behind the scenes on the trellis that is supporting that vine work. And so can we just put our hands together and thank them for the work that they do? Thank you all. And so for the health and the production of the vine, we must tend also to the trellis that supports that vine. You, does that make sense? All, all getting the imagery? It's really important as we move on and talk about a little bit more about the trellis. Our greatest asset, we often say as a church, is our people. You are our greatest asset because this is vine work. You are part of that vine and branches that is doing the work of the ministry and growing. But our second greatest asset is our facility because it is the primary trellis that supports the vine. Now, for those of you that are newer to our church in the past few years, or uh, if you've been attending for a while, but maybe you need a little refresher, I think it's important to know a little bit about the history of the building that you're sitting in right now. 15 years ago, we finished the work of building this entire sanctuary that we're in, the Christian education wing, uh, room all downstairs and the rooms around the fellowship hall and the lobby as well that you see out here. About 10 years prior to that, we finished the, uh, the student wing and the gym as well. We have a great trellis that helps support those ministries and it was a significant, significant undertaking. And this undertaking helped us to be able to grow, not just uh, spiritually, but numerically, inviting more people in, reaching more students as well. But it came at a cost. The sacrifice of many people over many years, uh, financially and in other ways serving in order to make this uh, a reality. We are sitting in the hard labor and the generosity of people that came, for some of us, that came before us. And what a privilege that is to do that. Now, when I came here eight years ago, our leadership team was really committed to uh, the financial stewardship of this building and the debt that we incurred in order to build this. And it was, it was one of our number one, one of our highest priorities in a list of, of three. One of our highest priority was paying off this debt, getting ourselves in a place of freedom as a church. Now that seemed when I got here like a pipe dream, it seemed like it was gonna be so far away, but we sacrificed. We are willing to hold off on certain ministry initiatives financially, to hold back hiring some staff that we really felt like we needed, to wait on improvements in the building in order to cut costs and expenses, to be able to save as much money to put to the debt. And we called you as a church to a vision of being debt-free. And God provided by his grace in 2021, we paid off the rest of this building. Uh, when I got here, it was somewhere in the 5 million range. Uh, and within about five years, we paid off every single dollar of that debt by God's grace. And yeah, you can clap for that. We are debt-free. We have money in our reserve. We're in a really healthy financial place, which enables us to be able to expand ministry, 
to, to uh, hire pastors that we felt like we needed to be able to do this kind of vine work that we're talking about. We hired Pastor Hayes full-time as our worship leader, hired Pastor Terry Foster uh, to, to really uh, oversee our uh, ministry to our community. You'll hear more about that in a minute, as well as our discipleship ministry to bring uh, Christian Della Cuba on full-time in our technical ministry and our worship ministry. We also were able to go after with greater intentionality this mission of making a difference in our community. We have what we call a vision called Brandywine on the Move that we've initiated. Brandywine on the Move really has three core areas. Building our faith, that is making resilient disciples of Jesus in an increasingly post-Christian context. You'll be hearing more about that in quarter one next year. Reaching our community, that is mobilizing our church to be able to demonstrate and declare the gospel of Jesus here in our community, really making an, an a difference, making a dent for the Lord in our community. You'll be hearing from Pastor Terry Foster today. He's gonna share more about that. Those first two are really kind of vine work sorts of ministry. And then this third one is shaping the future, which really has to do with the trellis of our building that I wanna share with you in just a moment. Now, because our building project 15 years ago, uh, because it addressed some of our main uh, worship areas, gathering areas, uh, Christian ed areas, it also uh, left kind of untouched a number of other areas in our building. Some areas in our East Wing and our West Wing that quite frankly haven't been touched since like I don't know, the Reagan administration, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's been a long time. If you walk through some of those areas, like, okay, I can see uh, what got the priority during the building project. We have uh, some really critical areas of it that, we, that need attention. The three primary areas are children's space, uh, our community gathering areas, the external part of the building, and outdoor space. Uh, we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. And if we don't address these areas of our trellis, we're in danger of stifling vine growth here and future fruit, fruit production. So now let me just say, I think it's important to say this. This is a great problem to have. This is a great problem to have. Um, there are many churches, sadly, that are figure, trying to figure out how to keep their doors open and their lights on, um, renting out large parts of their building just to try to make uh, uh, you know, stay afloat because no one or very few people are coming to their church. We have the exact opposite problem. What a great problem to have. We're trying to figure out how do we make the space and make it excellent to be able to do it well so that we can continue growing. What a great problem to have, amen? Great problems are still problems, <laughs> right? So it is a problem that we need to address, but praise God, we have a plan to be able to address it a plan to redesign, to repack our existing facility in some of these key areas over the next few years. And we're calling this the Shaping the Future Initiative. Now, the three key areas of our Shaping the Future Initiative, the three key priorities are one, redesigning our children's ministry space. Currently, we have three areas where children uh, are served from East Wing to West Wing and some in the middle. Uh, it's not ideal, it's really confusing, uh, and it's not our best work. We, what we wanna do is redesign that so our entire east wing, top and bottom, is made into a children's wing. One safe, uh, excellent place for children to learn and grow in their faith, all children uh, to learn and grow in their faith, secure, an awesome place 
for them to, uh, to, to grow as disciples. The second is our community space, the entry-level community space here off the, the lobby. We want to double the size of our community space, have a great cafe in there where you can invite someone to grab a cup of coffee, get to meet somebody throughout the week, acts as a kind of an outlet to some of the noisy, crowded area of our lobby space. So that's our second priority. And then our third is the exterior part of our building, uh, repainting the exterior, bringing a cohesive design uh, to the exterior, as well as providing some much needed outdoor space as well. And you'll hear Pastor Todd share about that in just a moment. Now, we're not talking about just slapping some paint on some walls and refreshing carpets. That's not what we're talking about. That wouldn't address our needs that we have. Uh, and quite frankly, it wouldn't do it with excellence. And we are committed to excellence. It's one of our core values. We believe we're committed to excellence because God deserves our best, and so do people. And so we want to have something we're proud of in the right way, and we want people to experience that and say, wow, you thought of me. You thought of me when you designed this place. You expected that I would be coming in. That is our goal. That's why we want to do it with excellence in everything that we do. So this is a stewardship issue. Let me repeat that. I believe this is a stewardship issue of what God has given us here in this building. Do you remember that stewardship parable that Jesus uh, gave in Matthew? Maybe uh, some of you remember the, he gave this parable of a, ma of, a, of a master who had a property and he had workers in this property and he went away on a long journey and he entrusted his servants different amounts of money, different amounts of possessions, and he expected them to invest, to produce, be productive with these amounts of money that he gave them. Two of the servants did well. They were willing to, to to have some risk and they made an investment, they doubled their investment and they gave it back to their owner. And what did the owner of this, of this property say? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. But the third servant, out of fear, decided not to invest it, not to take any risk and he buried it. And when the master gave, came back, he said, here you go. You gave me this, I'm giving it back to you. And the master, let's just say, wasn't particularly happy with that servant's decision. And what's the point of the parable? Jesus says at the end in verse 29, for to, who every, uh, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What does he say? What I've given you, is a stewardship. I'm expecting that you are gonna be willing to take some risks in order to be fruitful with your investment so that you can produce more and more fruit. And I will reward that, he says. So to whom much has been given, much will be required. God has given us a beautiful, wonderful church with a fruit, a productive vineyard, a productive fruit producing uh, spiritual ministry that we have here, it is a stewardship for which we are responsible. We can either, out of fear, fear the what-ifs, fear the costs, fear the sacrifice, say, eh, it's good enough, and bury it. Or we can be like the other two s servants, and we say, you know what, we're going to be willing to take some risks. God has called us to something greater. Let's go after it. Let's go and do this so that we can bear more and more fruit. And I don't know about you, but for me, I didn't become your lead pastor to say good enough. 
I didn't come here to pastor a church who's a church of good enough. A church that says, ah, status quo, let's just rest on our past and just kind of circle the wagons. I'm not interested in that. God has called us to a mission right here. He's placed us at such a time as this with such the resources that we have to take some risks for God, knowing that he is faithful. So this is what I'm calling us to, church. That's what we as a leadership team are calling you to. We believe that God, as God has been faithful in the past in helping us to pay off our debt, as he has been faithful over the past eight years to enable us to end the year in the black every single year, that God will be faithful. We say it all the time, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. And I believe that. I believe that God will be and is at work in the Shaping the Future initiative. Now you're gonna hear more from Todd uh, about the details of that in just a moment. But before I hand it off to him, I do wanna tell you about one new vine growth area that we see God wanting to do among us. And it's something we're excited about. Excited about. And it fits uh, kind of hand in glove with some of the facilities redesign uh, that I talked about in the children's area. It's the ministry to disabilities, uh, children and families with disabilities and special needs here among us. Over the last couple of years, it's become really obvious to us as a leadership team that this is something that God wants us to pay attention to um, in three ways. First of all, the Lord has brought over the last few years more families to us uh, who have special needs uh, challenges. And because they're here among us, it is a stewardship. It is our responsibility to make sure that we take care of these families, to offer them a level of excellence, just like Jesus would meet them uh, in that same way. So we need to be responsible for that. Secondly, there are not many churches, very, very few churches in our area that are able to have this kind of ministry, which means many of these families who would like to go to church, many of them can't go to church or go very sporadically, or maybe have to drive uh, quite a distance to get to a church that can meet their needs. I don't think that's okay. We wanna be able to provide something right here because there's an opportunity among us. And then third reason is because God in his providence brought us at, at such a time as this, an amazing leadership team who, not because I was asking them to, said, you know what? We believe that God is calling us to, to, to do this kind of work. God just kind of hand in glove brought this team together. People that are passionate and gifted to lead a ministry forward in this way. And the leaders of this ministry are some of my favorite people. Now, I know you heard Pastor Todd share in a message from James that you're not supposed to have favorites, but I have to be honest, these are some of my favorite people, okay? Uh, David and Nancy Cordray are the leaders of that ministry. I wanna invite them up to share a little bit more about special needs, you give them a hand. Good morning, we are David and Nancy Cordray, but we are perhaps better known as Caroline's parents. <laughs> she is the unofficial chief greeter here at Brandywine, and if she has not yet given you a nickname, she probably will. Caroline was born with a rare genetic disorder, and in our 23 years here at Brandywine, it has often been difficult for her to participate in Sunday school and in church activities. And as a result, it's been difficult for us to engage on Sunday morning as well. Through the years, a few individuals have generously given their time to support Caroline, and that has been really helpful. The time Caroline spent in Sunday school, 
supported by those volunteers, along with countless hours walking the halls of Brandywine with Christy Pullig, taught her about Jesus, and ultimately led to her accepting Christ and being baptized here just over one year ago. Our mission at Brandywine is to introduce people to Jesus Christ and help them follow him. And we believe that means all those who come through our doors, regardless of physical and mental abilities. Nancy and I are leading a steering team to establish a special needs ministry here at Brandywine. As we heard from Nate, we need to build the trellis to support this new vine. Our team is working to create the structure and the resources needed to provide consistent support for children with disabilities and their families so that they're able to engage on Sunday mornings at Brandywine. This ministry will require volunteers beyond our steering team. We're looking for individuals who have a heart for children who have a disability or have special needs. And there are a variety of roles that we need to fill. We need buddies who can come along and support these children directly. But we also need people who can help with planning and do behind the scenes support. If you have a little time to share or a lot, we could use your help. And we welcome teenagers as well as adults. We're having an interest meeting next Sunday on the 19th between the services from 10 to 10.30 in Nate's office. Coming to the meeting doesn't commit you to anything, but it gives you the opportunity to learn more about this ministry and the work that we are doing. We hope that you'll prayerfully consider joining us. Thank you. Good morning, I am Pastor Todd. I'm the executive pastor here at Brandywine. As Pastor Nate shared, I'm gonna get a little bit more into the details of the Shaping Our Future plan as it relates to our facility. Now we're blessed here to have a wonderful facility here at Brandywine. Over the past 50 years, we have been right here proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and being a light to our community. And we are well positioned currently as we speak to continue to shine that light for the next 50 years. One of the things that we realize as a leadership team is that there are decisions that we can make here and now that will help to ensure that Brandywine Valley Church thrives for many more decades to come, for the generations that will come and fill these seats in the future. However, we're also aware that we cannot allow ourselves to stagnate. We must continue to innovate, be on the forefront. We must be on the forefront of shaping our future. One of the things that we have been planning for is the repurposing of our building to align with our current and future ministry needs. As our church grows, as ministry needs change, we have found that we no longer have the adequate children's ministry spaces. We no longer have the adequate lobby or just general seating spaces within our church for our church family to congregate. We no longer have, we've never really quite had the outdoor space that would really transform the ways in which we are able to minister to men, women, children, teens on a weekly basis. Now, we've been working with a national uh, church design firm called Visioneering Studios to help address how we can shape our ministry future with regards to our building. Currently, we have just ended the schematic design phase of developing a plan to physically repack a portion of our building um, for the glory of God. 
As we end the schematic design phase, we have updated images that we would like to share with you this morning. So far, what you have seen before are just concept images. These new images are no longer conceptual. They're actually the product of the schematic design process and the first phase renders of what we are actually trying to accomplish in this building. So here's a rendering of our new children's ministry check-in area. Our hope is to improve the children's ministry footprint within our building, to bring, as Pastor Nate said, all of the children's ministry to one place instead of the three that it currently occupies today. This will not only be a more welcoming and clear introduction to our guests, but also give our children's ministry a level of excellence and credibility that our staff and volunteers have worked so hard to produce here at Brandywine. We're also looking to improve our lobby and our congregational space. Here's a concept image of our new Connection Cafe. Now, while we all love one another here at Brandywine, we all can admit that that lobby is cozy after services. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. It makes it difficult to even have a simple conversation with someone. A lot of people feel like the need to just rush out after services because of the noise. We need to increase the amount of space for our congregation to meet and talk before and after services. And again, as Pastor Nate said, some of these things are a good thing. It is a good thing that that many people are congregating and want to share. But we need to create more space for that to happen. This cafe would be located right off of our lobby. We plan to widen the entrance of our lobby into this space, literally doubling the area to congregate on our main floor before and after services. We also have some renders of the outside of the building. The plan here is to not only create space for us to congregate outside, but to also create some uniformity in the external design language of our building. Our building from the outside looks like it has been built onto multiple times over a long period of time. That's because that has happened. This will bring a, a uniformity to the structure. These images are the parking lot side of our building, and you will notice new decking, new entrances, ramps as well. This last concept image is a, a rendering of our Mount Lebanon side. Of our I think you'd all agree that this is a much needed upgrade appeal of our building. Now, there are a few things that I want to uh, take note of as, we, as I close my words. Number one is, as I said this before, and we're going to state this again because we do mean this, this is true. We are not looking to finance or borrow for the costs of these upgrades. We plan to raise these funds through our campus improvement funds and pledges. The Board of Deacons, along with the ministry leadership team, is in the process now of planning on how we plan to raise these funds. In the coming months, we plan to share the cost along with the financial approach we plan to take in order to make these upgrades happen, as well as the potential timelines for this project to begin. The second thing I want you guys to be aware of on this project is that we've been listening and we've been getting feedback from a wide variety of, of stakeholders from across our church, from our staff team to our deacons to our committee members to volunteers. Um, we have worked to include a host of voices in to speak on this project. I want you to know it's not like two or three people who are making these decisions. We have included a lot um, of, our, of our church in this process. And as we move forward, we will continue to communicate. We will hold town halls as we continue to take steps forward. So you will be hearing from us on this. And then the last thing is just to pray for us. 
We are a church on the move. We really are. I hope you sense and feel how true that is. But the enemy would not love nothing more than to frustrate our plans, um, to make sure that in 50 years from now, there is nothing great happening here. We are purposefully planning to shape our future so that this place, this church, Brandywine Valley Church, is thriving um, for 50 years and beyond. Thank you. My name is Pastor Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And one of my roles is really helping our church step outside the walls, be a mobilized church on the move, reaching our community. Today, I'll share an update about some new vine growth, as Pastor Nate referenced. In our local outreach to internationals, we have an amazing opportunity to see internationals right in our backyard coming literally into our building. So I want to highlight two ministries that are ministering to them. First is our circle of care team. We're on our second year of this, our second family. A circle of care team is a group of six to eight volunteers who come alongside a specific family as they legally settle in our community. The goal is that over the course of the, a year, we help this family settle in, find self-sufficiency, and get to know the neighborhood and really practical aspects of life. This year, we're working with a family of five from Somalia. They have an incredible story. Uh, after fleeing Somalia, their family was split apart. The, the husband is still in Somalia along with two older children. Uh, but the mother and her four children um, fled to United Arab Emirates. And then they eventually spent multiple years in Jordan. They applied for a program with the UN to be settled legally in another country. And after, like I said, multiple years, they were selected to settle uh, in Delaware. So they arrived within this year. Um, they were accepted. And uh, the mother, along with her four children, all four children are in their 20s. So they've been waiting for a long time uh, for this, this spot in their life. All the children uh, and the mother, they speak Arabic, Somali. Uh, they speak a little French. And the children's uh, English is very good. And the mom is currently attending our ESL classes where she's working on her English. Uh, the young adults recently came to one of our small groups called Front Porch where they got to know people. Uh, something amazing happened with our Circle of Care ministry and I get to share some good news. Um, a house was gifted and donated to the church um, so that we could have a home to offer a refugee family. And so that's amazing. This is a picture of the house. <laughs> We, we can't necessarily house every refugee family in our community, but now we can house one family for a whole year, and then we hope to do that again. Um, the details of how this all came about and the logistics behind it will be described in, de in detail in a future e-news article, but special thanks to the Finance Committee, to the Board of Deacons, who spent um, several weeks really navigating the complexities of receiving a home as a church and how that's done and what the long-term implications of that are. So the refugee family is currently living in this home and they love it. When they first saw the house, the oldest boy uh, said, I never dreamed we would be able to live in a house such as this. Uh, they also love the location. It's right across from Target on Naaman's Road. And two of the children are working at Target as seasonal employees. Uh, please be in prayer for this family and for the Circle of Care team as they work with them over the course of this next year 
towards self-sufficiency and especially pray that in time we have the opportunity to introduce Jesus to this family. They're really open uh, to dialogue about their faith. This is the second circle of care team and there is a long-term vision to continue future circles. So if you're interested in getting involved, we can definitely plug you into the next team. Just note that on your connection card. And then secondly is our ESL, English as a Second Language Ministry, that's grown from year to year. This year we have 20 volunteers and we have 27 unique countries represented. If you wanna get out your camera and take a picture of this slide and pick one of these countries to pray for, on Tuesday nights we have someone from this country coming in to work on their English in our fellowship hall downstairs. We have over 90 students coming uh, each week. And I've seen the volunteers go above and beyond simply teaching English. They take their students on trips. They invite them into their homes. You'll see a few photos as I wrap up my words here. Uh, more ESL volunteers are needed. We need help with childcare. We watch children who don't even speak English, but, but we watch them while their parents learn English. We also need a couple of more ESL teachers that can be trained. And we also hope to offer a future track where the advanced students can elect in to read one of the gospels. And so we're looking for two people to sit with uh, someone and, and read through a gospel while they work on their English. So maybe that's you. Uh, as the nations come to our doorstep, our ultimate goal is to introduce them to Jesus. And this is mission work right in our backyard. I wanna challenge you in your personal walk as you follow Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. How is God calling you to tangibly put your faith into action? Thank you.